So before we start this interview, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to the podcast that we have released so far. And this is to mainly people on Spotify. But if you can leave us a rating, that would be amazing. We currently have about 4.7 out of 5. And, it, and I'd love to get that number up. Also, if you can just share the podcast, that would be amazing too. We're close to over 300 listens a week. But without you, we wouldn't be able to make this happen. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. This week I am super excited. We have the legendary, the entity's left hand. This is one of the interviews I've really, really have been looking for since the very start of it. You know, he's old school. He's very good at Trapper. He's a killer that I've played a lot. At least I did back then. And I just look forward to hearing what he has to say in 2022 um but before we get into that let's speak with tofa are you there tofa hey i'm here uh how are you doing jamie yeah i'm doing all right actually uh weather's really really nice at the moment so i'm just taking advantage of that not playing as much dbd as i would normally but you know due to life work and nice weather really yeah, I hear that. The weather's been really nice. It's been great being able to play games with the window open. So for me, playing as Trapper can be a really, really rough experience. The map plays a huge part of how the game goes too. Some maps are really bright and it makes spotting traps really easy. So savvy survivors can just avoid them as soon as they spot them. But some maps do have some nice hiding spots that have conveniently placed tall grass that might catch a survivor off guard, such as Family Residence, or the Sanctum of Wrath, or the Macmillan maps as well. His biggest weakness, though, has to be voice comms. And most survivors nowadays, they do play swifts and they do use voice comms. And if you're being watched by a survivor and they see you set a trap up in a high traffic spot like Shack or Main Building or any other of the, like the God Loops around whatever map you're on, they're just going to call it out to their friends and they're just going to avoid the area and or get rid of the traps between them while the gens get done. And that brings us to his next issue, which is map pressure. It's all well and good setting the traps up and trying to make the most out of your power, but while you're doing that, you're not defending the gens. And that's why add-ons and perks are a huge part of whether you're going to do well with Trapper or not. I've not played a ton of Trapper myself, so I'm not too knowledgeable on what the quote best perks are on him. But I do know that without corrupt intervention, you're going to lose two, maybe three generators just setting up your traps alone. It'll also help maybe try to secure a potential 3-gen in the endgame strat, as that's helped me out on, a, on more than a few occasions. Pop, in my opinion, is still too good to not use, even on Trapper. You might have to go out of your way with a low-mobility killer and spend some valuable seconds kicking the gen, but the regression it gives is still really good. You could pair it with Onryo's perk Call of Brine to make it regress at 200% regression rate, as if it's affected by Tier 3 Ruin as well. Or, if you prefer a more passive playstyle like me, Deadman Switch and Skirtrek Pain Resonance. So that makes it so that you don't even need to trek all the way to the other side of the map just to like kick a gen and try and defend it. A lot of the time, when the gen blows in the survivor's face like that, they'll just book it elsewhere off to uh, maybe a different, sometimes closer generator, or make their way to the hook for the save instead, so you don't really need to make your way to that generator as well. 
So in a way, it does kind of help corral the survivors to you. Agitation could be a big help with them two perks as well, to be able to get to the Scourge Hook quicker, especially if you get a down that would otherwise be too far away from one. I myself have had some very bad luck with Scourge Hook spawns, and they'll all be in one corner of the map sometimes, so agitation can really help with that, with that issue. For the add-ons, I have to take a trapper bag. It's the green add-on, it gives you an extra trap at the start of the trial. It lets you carry an extra trap as well. The other add-ons can be pretty much anything else as well. He has a lot of add-ons that have their own sort of um, value in more than in, in a lot of different situations. There's a few nicer ones than others. Trap setting speed is really good to have, but we'll get more into what the best add-ons are to use and the add-ons that are best to avoid a little bit later in the interview. So yeah, I have actually played a lot of Trapper. You know, Trapper was one of the first killers I played and I did really enjoy him at one point. Uh, I was number one on the speed run for about eight months with the fastest Trapper game. His playstyle is very simple and I suppose it's one of the reasons that attracted him to me. Being old school with game consoles and the simplicity of his mechanics suited me a lot better. The hardest part of Trapper is you really need to get good at looping. His bear traps are so random that when it comes to survivors escaping from them, it just makes it harder for the trapper to navigate too far away from his traps. There are of course a lot of add-ons that can help with the situation. A couple like fastening tools, wax brick, and even to some extent, eerie stone, with it being able to rearm every 30 seconds, so that will help. He has some really good add-ons like darkening trap, setting speed, eerie stone like I just talked about, trapper bag. They're all really decent, but as I said before, his gameplay is very M1 orientated and requires you to at least be good at looping as he's an M1 killer. But looking at his perks, like Topher said, pop is very good to run. Or why not just run the old ruin and dying combo? He's still very good on him. Uh, other old school perks like Agitation, Iron Grass, Brutal Strength are all good. Corrupt, yeah, it's definitely needed since he spends you know most of his early game setting up. Ideally, you want to you want slow down perks if possible, and if it gets to end game, then Blood Warden No Way Out can help with the end game, especially if you can trap the uh, the gates later on. Uh, Noed is a very good option, although you'll have a lot of survivors moaning at you. Why are you using Noed? Why are you using Deadard? It's all swings and roundabouts. But yeah, um, setting traps, it can be really difficult since you need to try and hide them in places like bushes. They're probably bad. They're probably your best friend. Or even just some of the dark areas, you know, if you're using a dark trap uh, add-on. And in some cases, you can clip them into the ground, and that makes it really hard for them to spot. Um, at loops and windows as well. See, it's not always a good idea to put them right by the window, but put them around the loops, so they think that the windows are good to go. You chase them around the other way, and more than likely you, they're going to run straight into the trap because they're not going to know it's there. Because, yeah, the ones at the windows, they're normally pretty easy to see, to be fair. Um, also for his traps as well, and I do think they need to change this, but when he starts the map, the traps are placed randomly on the map, and some of them are right on the edge of the map. Now this comes with a dilemma. Do you go and get the traps and in inevitably take time away from chasing, or do you just literally not 
and just leave them there. But you then you have shorter traps throughout the game. It's all about balance, you know, do I or do I not? Overall, I think he's a pretty decent killer if you know how to loot. But he has so many good add-ons to help. But with the randomness of the trap escapes, it makes the traps only really effective if you place them beforehand and chase them into the traps. So when I'm going against a trapper, it can it can be a pretty rough time if it's against someone who knows exactly what they're doing and if the map works out in their favour. Because as as we've just, as we've said, map does play a bit of a role in how the uh, game goes for either trappers or survivors. Uh, you have to be really careful about where you're going and avoiding the stronger loops if you think the game's gone on long enough for the trapper to have already neutralised them. Maybe when you're not in chase and as soon as you see that the killer is a trapper, whether it be seeing him in person, walking around, or a trap laying on the ground. Maybe go and take a quick check on shack, main building, any god loops. As long as they're not too far out of the way, you don't want to waste time going to the other side of the map, especially at the start of the game when he wouldn't have even had time to do it anyway. Just make sure they're not trapped up yet so that you can loop because... Outside of his traps, he is an M1 killer, and you can just loop him as such. He's also pretty big as well. So around most jungle gyms, you might be able to see him over the top of certain walls. Definitely the low walls as well. Um, you can just see him over those and know exactly what he's trying to mind game you with. The kind of traps that catch me out are the ones that are in the most unexpected of places. You always keep an eye out to spot the traps that are in pallets or the ones that are in windows... But the one that'll catch me out the most is maybe the one on the corner of a loop. Now I'm going to specify maybe a filler pallet with a long wall and a short wall the other side of the pallet. You'd usually see them in between TNL walls, jungle gyms, all that sort of stuff. Um, as you're going around the loop, you'll go through the pallet, you'll make sure it's not trapped first on your way, otherwise you'll just avoid it, you'll see it's not trapped. So you'll take advantage of that loop. But what you won't see is the trap that he's already preset maybe halfway down the long wall or near the end of the long wall part because more times than not your camera's looking at the killer to see which direction he's going and without even realizing it snap you've stepped in that trap and he has just successfully corralled you to a loop that he has already trapped up and preset a trap there and now you just have to be prepared to die maybe splitting up on the gens is also a really good way to go about things too I know this is going to pain a lot of killer mains to hear because it is the best thing to do against most killers, but a low kill, a low mobility killer like Trapper uh, really sort of struggles if multiple gens are being pressured at the same time. After all, he can't push everybody off of gens at the same time, can he? Unfortunately, you don't really see many Trappers out there for all of these reasons above. They're just not too great at the higher end of the MMR bracket where survivors know exactly what they're doing to waste your time. But a trapper who knows exactly what they're doing and knows how to make the most of their perks and their add-ons and they know the layout of the map like the back of their own hands, they can and will ruin even the most coordinated teams with their playstyle. And that's what separates a trapper main from most other killer mains. Now that you've heard our experiences, let's hear from the Entity's left hand. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. Today, we have another guest. So please, guest, tell us who you are and who you mean. Well, um, I am the Entity's left hand, and we do the Entity's work with Trapper. So the Trapper is one of those base killers 
and back in the back then when I first started playing, I used to play him for a short time. But as more and more killers came out, I just put him to one side. But I've always loved his playstyle. But what made you start playing this killer? Mm, the reason why I chose the Trapper was because back in the day, Trappers were known for face camping, uh, specifically those with the ruby mask. Uh, and I decided to show that um, not all were. Um, do bear in mind that uh, in the early stages of the Entities realm, unhooking was only possible in front of the survivor. Uh, and you could block uh, the unhooking if you would stand in front of the hooked survivor. And it was also possible to trap the survivor um, that was on the hook in front of it. So uh, I wanted uh, to change the idea uh, around the entity's realm of trappers. Well, thank you very much for agreeing to do this interview, Lefty. It's great to have you here and you know someone that's so close to the entity itself as well. Uh, so let's start with your build. There's many kinds of builds out there from the most efficient builds, the fun builds and builds people like to run on a regular basis. So let's talk about your build. What works for you and why do you run it? Well, throughout um, my time, well, throughout time, my build changed a bit, but there is only one that I like to bring, uh, Whispers. One of my uh, favorite uh, perks, uh, very underrated, and to my experience, uh, one of Trapper's core perk, uh, and it helps in a lot of the stages, um, well, in all stages of the game. Um, back in the day, I would always run Whispers, uh, Nurse's Calling, Brutal Strength, uh, and Devour. Uh, after the arrival of a Corruptive Intervention, I switched it for Nurses, uh, for obvious reasons. Corruptive is um, very helpful at delaying the game, um, and that will allow um, to set traps and mostly uh, pick, uh, pick up his power that is uh, scattered throughout the map still. Um, if I want to play a bit more efficient, I bring Bamboozle, since it's also, in my opinion, very important if you want to be efficient with Trapper uh, in any zone uh, of the rankings. Um, brutal, I like to run because uh, Trapper needs to end chases quickly, uh, and in, especially in high MMR, survivors throw pallets very early, uh, and getting rid of those uh, quicker mid chases uh, is very uh, important, actually. Uh, and if you pair it with Bamboozle, you can be very, uh, very efficient. Um, Whispers, I do think it's one of the core perks of the Trapper, um, because it will let you know if someone is close to you. So if you're setting up a trap, um, you know that someone might be close and might know that you have put it there and that is very important because every trap that you set requires um, effort, time and if someone sees it uh, you're going to be losing um, precious time uh, and since it's so easy um, and with no 
with no um, downsides, mostly to disarming traps. Um, it is very important to know that you're safe trapping. Um, so I really like to use whispers on him. And like I said before, in all stages of the game, whispers will help you. Um, when you're trying to find people, if you know how to listen to the whispers, you can pinpoint survivors, which will always be helpful. Um, Mid-game, last game, uh, so I always uh, like to run it if I'm running uh, my uh, usual uh, build. So there are currently 93 killer perks in the game, and this, but this includes licensed killers too. So let's focus on the free perk where people might not have the licensed killers. Do you have any builds where people might not want to spend any money that are easily accessible? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, there are not a lot of perks that you can um, run if you don't have um, the DLCs, but there's still a few. Um, Whispers, nowhere sloppy, uh, and agitation is a good combo. Uh, you have whispers for information, you have uh, nowhere for the end game. Uh, sloppy will help you, especially with the current uh, buff they did to it. And agitation is always a good perk to have, makes you go quicker to hooks. Sometimes survivors do want to take a hit, so it does help. Um, another good one uh, would be, for example, just um, Agitation, Iron Grasp, Enduring, and Noed. Same reasons, you have Noed for the end game. you have Agitation, Iron Grasp, to move um, survivors to where you want to, and make sure that you do get to the hook. Um, and Enduring um, also can help. Um, some people like the playstyle to reduce their stun animation, um, so it's free uh, and can help. Uh, sadly, there are not a lot of free perks that uh, can be helpful, and I think these are a few of the ones that you can um, can run um, if you have if you don't have the the DLCs. And you can get some some value out of them. So there are occasions where even those who have the most play-to-win kind of mentality want to have a game with a less than optimal build, whether it be to give themselves an intentional disadvantage or to have some fun with the survivors with a gimmicky meme build. Uh, could you share with us any such meme or gimmicky builds that you like to use for fun? I do have um, a few uh, that we run on the channel that can, uh, for example, be requested with cards uh, and or channel coins. Um, the first one is the exposed build that actually has even uh, more than four perks to it. Um, depending on the situation, I like to run Make Your Choice, Dragon's Grip, Starstruck, Iron Maiden, Haunted Grounds, and sometimes even Haunted Grounds within Dying. Uh, it's very fun, uh, effective, especially if there are uh, new recent players on that match, uh, and especially uh, when there is already one less player um, alive on the game. Really helps the build, um, 
with all the exposure that you get. If, if they unhook, they are exposed. If they try to breed for a generator that is being, um, well, close to being done, uh, they will also get exposed. And Starstruck also gives, um, makes them afraid to go close to the hook. And even if they then go for the hook, you have to make your choice. So overall, a very fun build, um, especially if you don't have survivors just washing gens. It is um, a very, very fun um, build. Uh, the second is the skill check build that I like to run on Larry's, especially, uh, with a nerving presence, distressing, lullaby, and oppression. The point is to try and protect lullaby with traps and make them uh, miss as many uh, skill checks as possible. Um, very fun if you can have a few stacks on lullaby and you can protect the totem. Um, you will see survivors uh, filing a lot of skill checks and it's a very fun, um, very fun build um, to run. Um, third, we like to run the Hamahan build with Thrill of the Hunt, uh, Devour, Undying, and Retribution. Uh, the point is to protect as many totems uh, as I can and try achieving um, Mori with uh, five stacks. Um, if survivors focus on generators, usually you can have the the totems up and if we can get a few hooks in especially three until you get um poor uh you can have then some fun with people trying to cleanse the totems that will take a bit longer and you can see them with uh, retribution uh makes it um a lot of fun as well because you can catch survivors uh, off guard with devour and then with a retribution uh, as well. Uh, another build that we like to run is uh, an end game with um, Blood Warden, No One Escapes Uncalad, No Way Out, and Remember Me. Um, I like to bring Iris Iridescent Stone, the one that resets the traps at the gate. So I don't have to lose much time resetting um, those, um, especially because I'm not running any slowdown perks. Uh, the point of the build is obviously to trap the gates early and set up around it and try to have all the remember me and no way out stacks. Um, very fun to run, and sometimes you can get um, value out of uh, Blood Warden. Um, sometimes we also like to run uh, this build uh, and pretend to be away from the keyboard. Um, something that we do on the channel with a card. Um, occasionally you can get some very good moments, funny moments, with the survivors uh, hanging around thinking that um, the killer is away from the keyboard and then no one happens. Um, and it's very fun um, to see the different reactions of the survivors that you see. Some just leave, 
some try to be altruistic uh, and then you can get some some value of uh, blood worthen and it's uh, very fun to run um, and I think it's um, it's a very fun build to run uh, finally uh, one of the most recent ones uh, with the arriving of Pentimento I like to run Pentimento, Ruin, Undying and Axe all experts uh, force them to do totems, uh, especially with having ruin and dying. Uh, and if you do get lucky, you can get all five stacks. Since since Axe Fang uh, helps confusing those who don't know that the perk uh, is in play uh, and destroying the Axe Fang totem, even though apart from the hooped survivor, other survivors must wait 90 seconds to destroy it, but usually uh, it's the survivor that got hooked that will destroy it. Um, very recently, uh, we got three or four times, uh, five times stacks, uh, well, five stacks of um, Pentimento, and sadly, very close to the end of the, the game, but still very fun. Um, if you can... Um, if you can uh, trap at least one of the totems early, that you will guarantee that is um, ruin, and um, then you force the survivors to do uh, the totems, even dull ones, if you get lucky, and after you get all five ones um, ready, it's, um, it's a race, and if you can, time it out correctly, uh, and recently we have been able to, um, you can get the five stacks and survivors will be very confused because as well, not a lot of the times the killers do run uh, Pentimento and when they do, very rarely you can get um, all the five stacks. And Trapper, with the power to trap the totems, does help uh, trying to achieve achieve the the five stacks. So add-ons are such an important part of anybody's gameplay and can completely change the way the game is played. I would imagine there are some good add-ons that are worth using and some that are not. So can you tell us the ones that you would recommend and the ones you would avoid? Yes, uh, especially with Trapper. Depending on your playstyle and your killer rating MMR zone, you can actually have different add-ons for your different playstyles. Uh, for example, if you don't like wasting a lot of time trapping or don't care much where you trap, Iridescent Stone, the one that resets a trap every 30 seconds, is very useful and buys you a lot of time uh, having, to re having not to reset all of your traps. Uh, in this scenario as well, a player like this would also find useful bringing the add-on that allows the Trapper to start with all of his traps with him, the Trapper Sack. One of the new uh, broad add-ons. Even though with this add-on you have to worry a lot more uh, where you trap, since you cannot pick up the traps anymore with this new add-on, uh, but with Iridescent Stone, your job after setting those available traps are done 
and you can focus on chasing and applying map pressure. Another very good add-on that I recommend for more inexperienced players is Honingstown due to its huge value. Honingstown will down a survivor if they try to escape by their own attempt. Um, especially at early levels, survivors won't know what Honingstown uh, does, uh, even though they are shown that Honing Stone icon is on their screen, uh, they will not know what that add-on does and they will try to escape by themselves. Very strong add-on for this specifically and it helps uh, these players by having more often than not players down themselves and when they do they are not repairing generators or helping other survivors. Bloody Coil is also another very good add-on that will injure anyone that is fully elfed uh, if they design the trap. This brings great value by the injured state you get without chasing that survivor. And most survivors are inclined to design a trap if they see it. So, very helpful. The extra setting speed add-ons are also very good if you want to be very quick at setting traps um, and you don't want to waste a lot of time trapping. And you can actually stack both of the setting um, add-ons, setting tools and trapper gloves. So very useful as well. I also recommend the Trapper's Bag to more um, inexperienced players and overall Trapper players since it allows to start uh, with one more trap and one extra trap uh, carrying capability. Since a lot of the traps, uh, Trapper's traps are scattered around the map, this add-on reduces a bit the collection of traps that is uh, necessary. Finally, I recommend the brown add-on, Makeshift Wrap, also one of the new add-ons brought with the add-on uh, revamp that the devs brought recently. Uh, for more experienced players uh, that will find a lot of value uh, of, of it by being able to outplay some survivor perks, especially dead art, by walking through the trap. That is the point of that add-on, that you can walk through the trap, even though then you do disarm it, but you can outplay survivors by not expecting the trapper to be able to go through the trap. Uh, recommended now to more experienced players, um, because usually you do need to have the mindset to be adjusting adjusting that add-on to have outplay um, capability. Regarding the add-ons you should avoid, there are some that truly don't do a lot for you, even though sometimes they can be fun to combo with others, or if you're trying to have a specific build and playstyle with the Trapper. Uh, these add-ons are all the jaw add-ons, lengthened jaws, 
compressed jaws and serrated jaws. Um, the coil add-ons are also somewhat avoidable uh, since the time they buy while disarming the traps will not give you a lot of value. And since I think Trapper is a killer that benefits a lot from his medium and top add-ons, um, a, a lot uh, of the other ones uh, will kinda not benefit you in most of your games. Um, the third oil, uh, well, the third coil uh, add-on, the oil coil, reveals the aura of the survivor who disarms it um, when you reset it, instead of adding anything related to disarming time uh, of the trap, but will not um, be impactful in your game a lot. Very, very... You will not see, you will not get a lot of value um, on your matches unless you... You're running a specific build or something like that, so it is one add-on that you can avoid. Um, there are some other add-ons uh, that I haven't mentioned, but those also don't bring much to the Trapper's gameplay overall and are not impactful um, in any way. And like most killers, uh, Trapper also has the add-on that helps boosting um, some uh, points uh, that will not injure um, the survivor if they step on the trap they will still have their elf state but unless you're trying to farm um, that brown add-on is also not uh, very helpful so it's very important before going into a match that you get the right perks and add-ons but that's only half the job there's always the map to deal with too so let's talk about your strategy when you load into a trial, does the map determine how you play and what are your preferred maps when working out your strategy? Unless I'm trying to win, and very rarely I do on a serious way, I don't focus much on the map strategy. Now, if I was trying to win, the map um, that you get changes a lot the way that you want to set up and track. On this subject, you have a lot of things to think of. Trapping more windows than pallet areas, trapping generators, trapping around the main building, or trapping around a good setup of gens, known as free gens, and sometimes on some maps you can get four gens close. Some maps trapping windows is always a good idea, like, for example, Larry's, where chases tend to lead to a lot of vaults from the survivors. For example, trapping T-walls and L-walls on shelter woods is also good, because there aren't a lot of pellets in most of the spawns, so trapping those is usually effective. This also can be effective on maps that have known loopable windows, that survivors like to run, for example, the window outside of the school in Bandham, the windows on the classrooms of Midwich, and, for example, as well, the windows on uh, 
main buildings of Disturbed World on the Asylum maps. Some maps you can involve gen trapping on your strategy due to the grass around them, like the Red Forest maps, Swamp maps, and Yuhauka maps. Even though gen trapping is very far from efficient and easy, and even reliable in these specific maps, you can take some advantage out of it since it's not something that trappers usually do, so survivors don't also usually check for it. Some maps like, for example, the the Eerie and the game map, you just want to set up as many traps as possible and as early as possible around pallets because these maps have tons of pallets, tons of safe areas and the sooner you trap them, the better you even the odds of having any use of them. In these maps you tend not to care much about trapping around pallets, but on the pallets themselves, and usually uh, that is what you shouldn't do unless you're running some add-ons that give you some value of having them disarmed, like for example Bloody Coil. You do have to change your trap um, strategies on this kind of maps. My preferred maps are those with grass areas, for more interesting trap placements and loop outplay, and some dark environment ones like, for example, RPD that has tons of dark spots, Midwich that also has some dark spots, and if you bring the darkening die, can be very fun to match it with. Also enjoy Larry's, especially after the update to the trapper uh, traps color because it matches a lot of the floor on that specific map. When going into a match, you have to assess your strategy based on the perks and your add-ons, and as we just discussed, the map that you load into, but also the survivors that you are likely to face, because each round, the survivors do tend to play a bit differently. So let's talk about your playstyle again. Do you opt to change your playstyle based on how the survivors play or just play like you have some kind of one-trick routine or strategy? A very good question and obviously depends if I'm running a normal build, a more mini build or a build that has some kind of specific interaction with the perks and some of the killer actions. Mostly, when engaging with the survivors, you can tell how experienced they are and you can adapt your killer gameplay to it and your trapper gameplay to it as well. Usually, I like to run my Undying Devourer build, so I usually try to trap one of the totems and go from there. With boons in the game, uh, more survivors I are tend to look for totems, so trapping early with undying will guarantee that your devourer gets protected, at least for a bit. By the time I get the free stacks, usually the totem is protected and the pressure I apply is often enough to get uh, the five stacks and do the entity's work by harvesting their souls with devourer of oaths. 
But like I said, depending on what you're trying to do, more relaxed, less relaxed. Um, the games that you have, your strategy will always uh, change accordingly. So hex totems can be a big problem for both killers and survivors. But with the new perk Shattered Hope, killers can now destroy the totems. And this is a big deal, but it means using a perk slot when I believe it should be base kit with the choice of either snuffing or breaking it. But let's talk about the totem spawns. Do you think they're in a good spot or do you think they need more improvements? On this topic of totem spots, um, I have a very strong opinion, especially now uh, because of a few patches ago, around 70 to 70% of totem spots are quite literally untrappable. Due to my devoted work to the entity, I always run with the power, so totem trapping is always um, a thing of concern. A few patches ago, trapping totems is very rough because the traps will not cover the totem area in a way it won't allow the survivors to stop interacting with them, either by destroying or burning it. This also gets extremely important because we know and have experienced tons of times uh, where after resetting a trap that worked on the first time on that totem will not work on the second survivor that goes there a lot of the times. And that allows the survivor to interact with the totem when it shouldn't. I think there should be more totem spots and let me phrase that the devs have been adding uh, more for sure, but it isn't enough, especially if some of the spots are always guaranteed. There are a few maps that will have those and that makes it very easy. If you ask me, Knowing totem spots is something that can somewhat increase the player's gameplay level and should be looked into like that perspective. Like, you know, more experienced survivors will most often than not rush totem spots if they notice ruin or ruin and dying is in the game. But less experienced players won't either find them that easily or will even go look for them. So in this perspective, I think they should, uh, shouldn't have guaranteed places and should have way more spawn points. I do understand both sides, obviously. Survivors can bring maps and track them. And there is also very good perks that will reveal the auras of the totems that are not that hardly. Let's say a killer that can protect totems and wants to run the bomber. That totem will depend a lot on the map that is being played, totem spawn and survivor spawn. Sometimes survivors um, just spawn on the totem and that perk doesn't last 30 seconds. I think having game-related interactions focused towards skills is always beneficial um, and not so much focused on RNG. Having played with Trapper a lot, you must have had some great matches, whether it's been against high-profile players or competitive teams or other content creators 
to insane downs or just extraordinarily clutch moments. Do you think you could share some of these with us? Well, back when matchmaking was kind of regional, before dedicated servers, I would face more known players and even teams. But with the changes uh, to the dedicated servers, those very rarely happen. And I matched with high-profile players or streamers of the kind. Uh, Back then, there was a high-profile streamer, a YouTuber that uh, no longer is uh, in the game scene, uh, that rage quitted after he was outplayed in Morith. And it was memorable because it was also during a hunt moment uh, that we would do on the channel that no longer is done due to the MCA, um, where we would hunt people with evil intentions uh, in the entity's eye. Um, some other good moments is usually when we get some triple or double snaps at a specific time in the match, or when we put a trap prediction movement of a survivor during as well a very specific uh, match moment and it happens. Um, we also participated in some um, charity tournaments and some other tournaments by invitation that had some good plays and memes uh, on those. Uh, so those were um, good moments um, for sure. So with the amount of time that you've been playing the trapper, you must have some great advice that you can share with us. So what advice would you give to new players or even your past self? Well, with game time, experience comes, obviously. And with Trapper is no exception. The more you play, the more you get better with. Uh, and Trapper specifically, talking, only knowing where to trap, when to trap, when to pick up traps, when to apply gen pressure, when to trap mid-chases is vital and comes with experience. My advice to new players would be to trap spots that they see a lot of survivors and if the traps that they set don't get triggered, to try other spots and objective-centered areas. So I want to talk a little bit about tiles and more specifically your favourite tile, whether it be the jungle gyms, LT walls, long walls or the good old killer shack. We want to know what your favourite tile is and why. Interesting uh, question, Chris. Um, Usually I like the killer shack. This is because it is a very used spot by the survivors and you can actually trap it in multiple ways to outplay a good survivor. You will never see a good survivor if they can loop the shack for long and break chases while doing so. Trapping it differently than normal, as known as, for example, the shack pallet or the outside or inside of the window, is super fun. And knowing what type of survivors you're facing will help you know how to trap it besides the common strategies. I also like um, trapping around main buildings where you expect survivors to try and um, loop the killer for longer durations uh, and you can also get some very good uh, outcome of those traps 
because survivors will not expect you to think uh, to that extent. So MMR is something that Behaviour have put in to help with a number of issues players were having, but in our opinion, and especially my own, it really hasn't gone as well as they'd maybe hoped it would. So tell us from your own experience, your thoughts on MMR and how it has affected your games with Trapper. Well, I think MMR helps. This because, and especially proven with the matchmaking tests they did and told us what they did on them, uh, without it, I would be playing against people with less than 100 hours in the game. If you ask me, should I be facing such a player while I have 5,000, 7,000, 9,000 hours in the game? I don't think I should. Maybe if they're playing in a group of four and those have way more experienced players there. I can tell my matches are either with MMR, but that is how it should be, in my opinion. Now, if you ask me, are those matches fun? Usually, and more often than not, they are less fun, for sure. But in that regard, I also think it depends on the person's mindset. Are they trying to win? If so, they should be facing players of at least the same hour level, yeah, skill level, maybe. Is the game balanced? Hardly and hard to do. It's a four versus one game and extremely hard to balance. I do think that players that want to win can have good matches. Players that just want to have fun they can have fun even with MMR, but also always depends on the player's uh, mindset and such. So with the trapper being an M1 killer, he's having to rely on his traps to help him with his with downs and certain situations. So where do you find the best places to use your traps? Around loops and main building areas. Trapping generators is very unreliable and map-dependent, and sadly traps aren't working as much as they should, so trapping effective spots is fulcral um, to a good match. Trapping um, very used loops on the map, uh, your own is essential, and the map knowledge then comes hand-to-hand -hand on uh, where to trap. Shutting down loops with bear traps is a great way to get the survivors quickly, but most people by now look out for this and will just move on to a different safe pallet or window if there's one nearby. Do you have any tips that can help with this? Yes. Most loops, either long walls, T-walls, general gyms, can always be trapped. You just need to know where to trap on those specific ones, and even a loop area without the pallet available anymore can be trapped, and you can get it down there. Most common advices I give is to trap, for example, the exterior of a general gym window and not on the inside. Most survivors will check the outside and only on the inside. And trapping the grass that leads to the pallet is also very efficient on those specific loops. This works as well 
the exterior trapping option that is on most walls and low walls because by now they will vault one way or the other so trapping them like that has a higher chance of guaranteeing you a down and for example if you think the survivor is leaving the area where you have a trap you can still move or walk force the survivor one way or another and by doing so you lead them back to that area and force them to finally um, fall on the trap though this requires uh, way more experience and knowing um, experience to read um, the survivors uh, movements trapping the exit gate are a great way to stop them from opening the gates quickly but if the survivors try to disarm the trap the trapper will be alerted so when is the best time to trap the exit gate and is it best to trap both of them this is a very uh, good question and asked a lot uh, you should trap both if you have the chance usually i like to trap them if i spawn by them if the game is going well and if for example I down the survivor kinda close to the area of the gate. And especially after you kill two survivors and there are still some generators left to do. Trapping the gates is something that usually takes some time to get there and you need to be carrying a trap as well. And depending on the map, the survivors can see you and to do it it's not something that you can want to be randomly doing. One thing is certain, the survivors need to open the gates to leave, most often than not. So trapping them is always a good idea, especially if the survivors don't pay attention. You would be surprised to the amount of survivors that step on traps on the gates. So how do you balance um, applying map pressure and setting traps? Because you can't set traps and monitor the gems at the same time. So I guess this is where a lot of value from perks and add-ons come into effect, right? Yes, that is why Corrupted uh, is so valuable for killers like Trapper and Hag, for example. With Trapper, you need to set up early and quick. Corrupted buys you that time especially as well if you take in consideration that most of the trappers' traps are scattered, so you need to physically move towards them to pick them and set them where you want them. This requires a lot of time, and the higher, the higher your rating is, the less time you have. Regarding balancing map pressure and setup, you have to balance it early on setup and then when you have someone on a hook, you apply gen pressure and you also try to trap some more areas. So in the past, the trappers had many changes from nerfs early on and then many buffs with some quality of life changes mixed in. So how do you think he is now and do you think he's in a good spot? Far from it, especially due to the amount of bugs that exist with the Trapper at the moment. I think Trapper could use a few tweaks that could improve his gameplay enough to help him 
and not make him overpowered whatsoever. The traps are quickly disarmed and without specific add-ons you will very quickly lose all of your powers strength. Untrapping other survivors is very quickly and there's no downside to it. Trapping requires a lot of time and with the current matchmaking, skill-based matchmaking, gens fly very quickly. And if you don't have slowdowns, you won't even have a chance to play Trapper. I do think he's in a better spot than before with all the changes they made that were mostly good. Trapping doesn't take 5 seconds anymore. You now start with 2 traps, which is very helpful and needed. And some of the new add-ons do um, help. For sure. Well, thank you very much. That was a great interview. Well, thank you again very much for your time as well, Lefty. You've been a uh, you've been a wonderful guest. Uh, I'm the one thanked uh, for your invitation. Um, very blessed for it, um, and I hope uh, your viewers will enjoy uh, the interview. Do you have anything you want to say to your community? Hmm. Yes, I do. Mm, heretics, make sure to check all the podcasts available. Both of our hosts have done a lot of work on them. So, do make sure to check them, as we think you'll find a lot of helpful information there. And we hope that you find our podcast helpful on your own sacrifices on the entity's name. So now that we've come to the end of the interview, I would like to thank the entity's left hand for agreeing to do this interview. And it was an absolute pleasure to have him on board. So if you've heard this podcast from your favorite podcasting app, I just want to let you know that we have a website, intothefogcast.com. And feel free to have a look over there as we do giveaways for Steam users each time a DLC drops. We also have Dragon Kel who does commissions as well. So if you're looking for any artwork, feel free to just have a look at it and see what she does. This was recorded on patch 5.7.2. In this interview, you also heard from myself, Jamie Lee 2K and Topher. All links will be in the description of the podcast and we hope you have a great day.